Good morning, Servants Church and friends. It's great to be with you this morning. If we haven't met, my name is Zach Wilson. I'm one of the house group leaders. I lead the, the house group in Golston, which is currently where my family is. Hi, sweetie. Hi, Judah. Hi, Phoebe. Toby Finn. Um, it, it's, a great, it's a great morning this morning, uh, even just to, to wake up and to know that our God is good and that our God is alive and that he's, he's in control. And so this morning, we're going to focus on our God. We're going to focus on Jesus, who he is, all that he's done, and uh, what he's continuing to do in our lives. So uh, if you would, uh, pick up your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll be in verses 21 through 25. Uh, I'll go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Lord, thank you for this morning. God, we are so blessed to, uh, to be your church, to, to be here, to know that you're head over the church, you're head over all, God. You know what's going on. You, you know what's going on externally in the world, globally. You know what's going on internally in the secret places of our hearts. You understand, and you desire to walk with us through these things. God, I thank you for your word. What a blessing it is that we have the Bible, the Word of God. We pray that you would teach us through it this morning. Show us the things that you want us to see. God, help us to understand more of who you are. Help us, God, to be able to fix our eyes on you. Lord, to fix our, our minds on you. God, we just pray that you would meet us here this morning, that you would bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 through 25. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I don't know about you, and this might be a little elementary, but... I've had the thought before that it would be really nice if Jesus would just call me, like literally on the phone, just have Jesus call me and say, hey, Zach, this is, uh, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to say. This is, uh, this is how I want you to act or react during this time. And actually, this is my will for you to do this. This is the way that, uh, that the Father wants you to go. I've had those thoughts before, and I thought, it'd be really neat. It'd be really neat if, if Jesus did that. And I'm, I'm sure you guys can, can uh, we can all be on board with this, that this is a time in life where we're trying to navigate through a lot of things. We're trying to navigate through things globally that are going on in the world. We're trying to navigate uh, things even in our family, in our family life. And we're trying to navigate through things internally 
in our own hearts and in, in our own minds. Really, no matter what season of life we find ourselves in, the, the uh, need to navigate through these difficulties is always there. It always presents itself. And uh, whether you're in, maybe you're in secondary school this morning, maybe you're getting ready to go into university, uh, maybe you're, you are in university, maybe you're, you're married, married with children, uh, moving on towards retirement, whatever season of life you're in, whatever season of life you're in, the struggle is real. The struggle is real of wanting to know what the Lord wants and, and how God wants you to navigate through the situations of life. David says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. David's asking God to search him out, to, to, to look him over, to see what's, what's going on inside of him, even the, the deepest parts of who he is. And then he cries out, lead me in the way everlasting. Or in other words, it can be said, lead me in the way that you love. That is, that is what we want. Lord, lead me in that way. What, what is that way? What is the way that you love? Lead me in that way. I want to be on that way. I want my life to be grounded on that way. Well, 2,000 years ago, which is uh, the context of our passage this morning and the audience uh, who this was written to, these believers were navigating through some very difficult times as well. And these Christians who received this letter, they were dealing with some very intense cultural influences. The area they lived in had, had now been taken over by the, the Roman Empire. And there were, there were even slaves who were becoming Christians having to figure out life under an unjust master. What does that look like? I'm a Christian now. How do I deal with uh, my master who's, who's not being kind? I would have loved, this is another elementary thought, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at one of these house group meetings, to hear the discussion of, of these things. Just think of the, the four topics on the table. Uh, I just kind of you know, put these together myself. This, uh, this may or may not have really happened. But I'm just thinking, uh, topic number one, the, the Greco-Roman Empire, the, the culture that we're living under, it's really, really bad out there. It's getting real, real heavy. How do, we, how do we live under this? The emperor himself, it's not really a, a good guy. He said some things that are a bit questionable. How do we deal with, with the emperor? Our neighbors, our neighbors are starting to say some, some unkind things. We've even heard of some, some Christian friends who have been abused, physically abused. Then I was thinking of, the last thing on the table, the last thing we need to discuss are slaves. They're coming to Christ, they're being saved, and now they're living under these unjust masters. So I was thinking about a meeting, like a, house, a little house group meeting like that 2,000 years ago. I'm sure they're asking God for, for answers to these things. Lord, what do we do? 
How, how do we live out our Christian walk with all these things around? When there's a knock at the door, just imagine. There's a knock at the door. They receive this letter. They receive this letter. And it's almost like, oh, here, here's our answer. And so look with me at verse 13. This is the context of verses 21 through 25 that we're going to be looking at this morning. But here it is in context. I'm going to read verse 13 through 17. It says, uh, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Imagine the crickets in the room <laughs> just thinking, wow, did we read that right? Be subject to the governors, to the, even to the emperor. Honor the emperor. Honor everyone. Is, is, this, is this right? It's interesting to think about how difficult this would have been in the day-to-day. -day. Think about the day-to-day -day of living this out. How are we going to do that? But then we get to our verses that we're going to read again. And the realization that something bigger must be going on here. There must be something bigger at work that, in a sense, we can't fully see. God must be up to something here. And I'm not speaking of, um, you know, protesting and, and activism, you know, stand, standing up uh, against those things. Some of those things are good, and the Lord might, might call us. To that, we have, we have friends in the states who are part of organizations who stand up for um, injustice, which is which is good, and the Lord's using them in that. But what's going on here is is something much bigger and much much deeper than that. Here is placed before us one who gave up his rights to save the world, to redeem the world which reminds Christians then, and I think it'll remind us as Christians this morning, again, that, that something much bigger is going on. There is a spiritual battle that is waging, not for, for just lives, but souls. It's a calling that might be a lot bigger than what we had first asked for. And also, Peter's not saying your problems aren't a big deal. You know, just, just get over it. There are a lot, you know, a lot of worse things have, have gone before. Just be quiet. He's not saying that. I think that the Holy Spirit through Peter is saying that in light of the craziness, in light of the chaotic, unfair world, remember the one you are following. Remember the one you're following. And so here we are in verses 21 through 25. And we're going to see three ways in which, as Christians, we can live this out. We can, we can walk our, our Christian life out, no matter the season we find ourselves in, 
no matter the political climate, no matter the global climate, no matter our family structure, our family life, we find this example that we get to follow. So verses 21 through 23, right away we see the one who is worthy to be followed. It says, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So in a sense, the phone has rung, and we've, we've been called, and this calling, at least for, for these uh, believers then, being subject, honoring the, the emperor, honoring everyone, that's a, that is a calling for Christians. That's a high calling. How do we do that? Well, the details are here, and something much bigger is, is going on here. We are given the opportunity to follow one who is worthy. We're not called to go on it or go at it on our own. We're not called to just hope this, hope this works out. We're literally called to follow God. We're literally called to follow his son, Jesus, and the example that he set for us. We're told in, in Hebrews 4, uh, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So here's the one who has every right to say, follow me. Here's the one who can say, okay, here's your calling. Honor everyone. Honor the emperor. It's a high calling. It's a high calling, I know. But follow me. Just walk with me through this. Jesus entered a very chaotic scene. Just think of the confusing religious climate, the political climate, the scene there. But he had no sin and he had no deceit. He was reviled against, as we see in the Gospels. He was reviled against, but he didn't revile in return. He suffered, but he didn't threaten. What did he do? He entrusted himself to the Father. He continued to entrust himself to the Father and the Father's will for him. So we have this example to follow, the one who is worthy to follow. He's worthy. What makes him worthy? He suffered for you. He suffered for me. He's worthy that he fulfilled the call of God on his life to die, to be our substitute. Now, I find this encouraging in its context. Believers wrestling with how to deal with social injustices, how to deal with unfair government, how to respond when suffering unjustly. Well, we've been given an example to follow. We've been given this example. And the one we are to follow is worthy to be followed. He's worthy of us following. Hebrews 12 verse 3 says, Consider him 
who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus is worthy of consideration. The world was created through him. We're told in Colossians, created through him, and the world was redeemed by him. In verse 4 of Hebrews 12, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So we're, we're following one who has come into this world of chaos. And I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about where he came from to where he came. And uh, the only way I, I could think of it really was when you're on a, when you're driving in your car and you're on like a road trip, you know, just driving along and you're listening to smooth jazz. I don't know if you guys are into smooth jazz, uh, but it's very well put together. Jazz is some of the, the, the best music. It flows so well. It's uh, harmonious. Uh, I, really like, I really like jazz. And you're just at peace. And then you decide to flip through the radio, and then you come to this screamo, hardcore, rock and roll music where there's no order, and it seems that nothing's put together, and you can't even think. And you're trying to drive, and it's like, oh, what, what is this? I need to get back to smooth jazz. I don't, I don't know if that's a good analogy. Take it for what it is. But Jesus came to the, from this perfect love of the Father, perfect communion for all eternity. He's there with the Father down to our world where it's confusing. It's very chaotic. It's hard to understand. Even day to day, it's difficult. But he came into this world he came into this world to give us an example and to be our substitute. So he's worthy. He's worthy for us to follow. He's worthy of our consideration. My struggle and my failings with sin are alive and well this morning. I cannot look to myself to navigate through even my own sin let alone the sins of others, the sins of the government, my leaders, the world around me. I have to consider him. I have to consider him and follow the example that he set for me. He's the only one worthy enough for this. He's the only one worthy enough to be considered and to be followed. And then we see in, in uh, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. He's worthy to be trusted. He's worthy to trust. Here's another answer to, God, what am I supposed to do? How, how am I supposed to respond in this season? This season that I'm going through, the difficulties, again, with maybe it's family dynamics. Maybe it's at my job or uh, whatever, whatever the case. Lord, how do I respond to this? We get to trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's a great thing. We've been given the opportunity to trust in something so much bigger than me or the season that I'm in. We have to trust 
that our sins have been taken by him. He took our sins up onto that cross and he paid, he paid the price. We're told in Isaiah 26, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. He keeps us in perfect peace. So the, the reward for us trusting in Jesus' work is us being kept in perfect peace. So in other words, as we trust him fully, he keeps us in perfect peace. That's kind of cool. That's, that's, that's a, a good thing. As our minds are stayed on him, as we trust in him, he keeps us in perfect peace. Well, how does this how does this perfect peace come? How does that look day to day? How does that look for the believers back under this Roman regime? How does it look for us today? That's it. My mind is stayed on God. God doesn't keep us in perfect peace when we've arrived at some special Christian level or when we've uh, checked all the boxes or, or all these whatever standards we've set up for ourselves to uh, attain or to fulfill. No, it says, when your mind is stayed on me, keep you in perfect peace. Wow, that's an amazing, that's an amazing concept. The chaos in the world, the chaos within my family, the chaos within myself. My mind is stayed on him and there's perfect peace. And this is also not some sort of Eastern mysticism kind of thing where we just numb our minds and everything's fine. Problems aren't there. It's all an illusion. The problems are there. It's not an illusion. When I wake up in the mornings, I, at least for like half a second, I think, whew, it was all a dream. And then I realize, oh, it's not a dream. This lockdown thing is still happening. I still don't have answers about what to do with stuff. <laughs> It's, it's not a dream. But the Lord is saying, your mind is stayed on me. This is the example to follow. This is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to consider continually uh, remembering and going over my work for you on the cross. Your debt has been paid. And it's this growing understanding of what he is up to. It's realizing that there is something so much bigger than than. Uh, what I can even see now. We trust that Jesus has dealt with our sin. Sin no longer has a hold of me. I can live for what's, what's right, no matter the craziness around. Inside me, I'm at peace. I trust. I, I trust in him. I get, I get to trust in him. There are too many things to count that we can put our trust in. Even when we're locked down, even when we, we don't leave our house, our houses as much, there are a ton of things we could fill our time up with. There are a ton of things we, can, uh, we could grab a hold of. But Jesus is the only one worthy. He's the only one worth our trust. And what is what, one of the fruits of trusting in Jesus is confession. It's confession of our sin. It's confessing that he took my sin. 
I'm a sinner. I did these things. But he paid the price. He took it. Psalm 51, verses 3. And then in verses 6, David writes, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. What is truth in the inward being, truth in the inner man look like? What is that? It's honesty about what's going on inside me. It's honesty. It's, it's easy to look at everyone else, especially now with all these leaders with a, with a platform, you know, on the news and just sharing up updates. And all. It's easy for us to say, I do that. But I, I forget Oh my goodness, what about my own sin? What about what's going on in my heart? We've been given an opportunity to trust and to confess that he took our sins and that we need him. And we can know that because of his wounds, we've been healed. It's a spiritual healing. It's a healing from the the sickness of sin. We've been healed. He's worthy. Uh, Verse 25, we see that he's, he's worthy of reminder. He's worthy of us reminding ourselves constantly. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So again, no, no matter the, the season of life that we find ourselves in, it is vital that we remind ourselves of our Savior, of our God. We remind ourselves of where we were and where we are now. We were like sheep going astray, Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. That's who we were. What is a sheep going astray? A sheep going astray. Sheep literally can be where they're supposed to be at one moment, and then the next minute they're on the edge of a cliff screaming or bawling or whatever. They're freaking out just in a moment's time. How did that happen? What they do is they're in line, everything's, everything's good. They see a, pa- a nice fluffy patch of grass. They go for it. And their head's down. They see the next fluffy patch of grass. They go for it. And boop, 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 boop. And all of a sudden, they're on a cliff. And they're like, ah, what's going on? They're just, they're freaking out. This was literally who we were. We were like sheep going astray. It's one thought to the next. One rush to the next. One idol to the next. When all of a sudden, we're just, oh, no. What happened? What's going on? It's very helpful for us to look back and to remember that, to look back and see how Jesus brought us in, who he used to bring us in. It's your testimony, the story of of Jesus flooding you with his grace and showing you your need for him. It's Jesus' saving grace to bring us under the shepherd. We've been brought under the true shepherd who is worthy of reminder. 
worthy of us reminding ourselves of this fact that he's paid the price, he's done it, and he's brought us in. Paul writes in Ephesians, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that one may boast. So we're not saying, yes, I did it. It was crazy. I was like this sheep, you know, going astray. And good thing I, you know, found my way back down because I could have been really bad. We're saying, yes, he did it. He did it. We're excited. That's why we're even here this morning because he did it. He did it. So we, we rejoice. We're excited. We're excited about that truth. And it's the gospel that we teach others. It's the gospel that we teach our family. It's the the gospel that we need to continually remind ourselves of. We need to remind ourselves of who God is. This is why yours and and my uh, theology, our understanding of, of who God is, is very important. That's why it's important to read the Bible. That's why it's important to pray about things that uh, we don't quite understand about God's character or God, why did you do this and uh, this part of the Bible? And this. It's important to wrestle through these things, to think about these things because this calling, this Christian calling is a high calling. And in particular, this calling here to be subject to rulers, subjects to, uh, to, to honor everyone, that's a high calling. That's a high calling. But, but when we get a sense, when we get these glimpses of God's character, of who God is through his word and in prayer, it begins to make sense. The Lord begins to encourage us and to show us what he's up to. And then those things fall in place. Jesus is our example as someone who endured punishment unjustly. Again, when, when he was reviled, he, he didn't revile in return. In his sufferings, he committed himself to the Father, to the Father's will. And he did it for for you and I. He is worthy for us to to go all in. (laughs) He is worthy for us to consider, to focus on, to say, yes, Lord, it's, it's time. It's time. He is worthy. I'm just going to read, it won't be on your screen, you can, you can follow along with me, um, just in the next chapter, um, previous chapter, sorry, chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 7, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is letting these Christians know that if indeed for a little while, a little while, meaning 
the whole earthly stay in comparison to our eternal stay in heaven. So a, a life filled with trial, a life filled with difficulty, part of God's will and his plan is to be with us in those trials and to allow those trials to shake us up and to shape us and to grow our trust in him. Because it's in those trials that our, our hope, our trust, our faith in him grows. Because why? Because we go through those trials, and I, I'm sure you're like me, where we go through these, these trials, uh, even specifically what's going on now, and you just think, ah, oh, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I, I know the Lord, I, I know, but, but seriously, what do I grab onto? <laughs> what's, what's going on? The Lord's saying, hey, at least he's saying this to me. Zach, focus. Focus. Follow me. Follow me. Trust in me. Trust in me through this time. And just be still. It's like the, it's like the highlight verse during this time. I hear it all the time. Be still and know that I'm God. It's such a good verse. And it's so applicable. Oh, yeah, okay. That's right. When we go through trials, that verse really hits home. Be still and know that I'm God. Follow my example. I'll walk you through this. I'll help you through this. I'll encourage you. Just continue on. Just continue on. And this is what happens when our mind is, is stayed on him. Not just during the easy times, the prosperous times. Because that's easy. <laughs> it's, our mind is stayed on him when times are difficult when the, the future is unknown. And it is worth it. It is worth the time. It's worth the effort, the struggle of trying to figure out this high calling and uh, how, do, how do I honor everyone? How do I honor my, my family? Does God really know some of my family members? Like how do, how, do I, how do I do this? God is is a worthy example for us to follow. Jesus' life is worthy of us to study, to read about, to pray about, to ask questions. He is worthy, again, for us to, to go all in. He is, is worthy. It says in, the, in this section we read here in chapter 1 about being born again to a living hope. Isn't that neat? It's not a born again to a dead religion. It's not being born again to a list of rules. It's not being born again to, to any, anything other than a living hope. What do we need right now? We need a living hope. That's, that's what we need. What do we need to think about when we wake up? What do we need to share with our parents or with our, with our children? We need to share a living hope, remind them that God is actively, actively at work and he is worth us entrusting our lives with. He's worthy this morning of our trust and he's brought us into salvation. For you this morning who know the Lord, it's, again, this is not something that we just numb our minds to and say, you know, we sing Kumbaya, everything's happy, we're happy, happy, happy. That's not the point. That's not our calling. 
it's okay to look around and uh, see what's going on, observe the times. But remember, there's something deeper. As believers, there's something going on. He's over everything. He's in, he's in control. And he knows the beginning from the end. And so we get to rest in that. And he's calling us to, to, to do that. As he's called us to this high calling of submitting, again, to authorities and all these sorts of things. How do we wrestle through that as a church or as individuals? You know, we're thinking about that. We're praying about that. But then there's this realization of, wow, there's a, even a higher calling. And it's to come alongside him. It's to come alongside what he's done and to walk with him through this. So I just want to encourage you this morning that I have been very encouraged by so many of you uh, hearing your stories, talking with you personally, hearing what you're going through, watching what you're going through. I have been very encouraged because I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing so many of you live this out. So many of of us, you know, the question is, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. And then, and then eventually we get to, I, I'm good, but, you know, I'm just, I just don't really know what's going on. I don't really know what to, there's this, there's this sense as I'm talking with you that, that you are grabbing hold of Jesus. I've heard this from so many, just holding fast to his promise and to the hope that he gives, this living hope. And so I've been encouraged by, by so many of you um, and continue to pray for you. I'm very excited to see how, how God's going to cultivate this in us as a church even more. While this drags on for who knows how long, God is cultivating this in us. He's reminding us of the example to follow. He's reminding us of his worthiness, that he is worth it. He's worth it. He's kind of, in a sense, taken everything away or put everything on, on hold, on pause, and said, focus now. Be still now and know that I'm God.